Saturday Sport on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zucar, the no-hassle way of buying and selling used cars in Ireland. Open seven days a week. Visit zucar.ie. Well, in the meantime, back to the football. And uh, as everybody knows, Chelsea is up for sale this week. There's all kinds of implications. I've been chatting with Miguel Delaney of the Independent newspaper. And I asked him as of today, where is the potential sale of Chelsea at? Well, I suppose that really depends on how serious the main consortium are, who are uh, Todd Bowley, who owns uh, or part owns the LA Dodgers, uh, with who's put together a team with um, the Swiss billionaire Hans-George Weiss. Um, they would maintain they're serious. If you talk to some of the people who uh, who are basically working with, with that consortium, they're putting the chances at 65-35. Uh, on the English sports business side, people are a little bit more sceptical. I think some of that could be down to the fact that it's actually quite odd to see these takeovers take place in public like this. Usually they're actually done quite quick, but then I suppose this is a unique circumstance given that Abramovich is being very publicly, um, well, it's all played out in public already. He's announced he's willing to sell, weakening his own negotiating position with all that a consequence of um, Putin's invasion of Ukraine. So it's certainly... Not a normal takeover. Uh, even on Friday, I suppose the timeline to, to spell it out is that Abramovich had set a deadline. Sorry, Abramovich, the, the team around it had set a deadline of Friday for initial bids with this week to see negotiation, yeah. uh, which meant that people were talking about feasibly Chelsea could have a new ownership by the next home game, which is Sunday week against Newcastle United. Um, and, and the Premier League, to be fair, there was the big Financial Times um, business of football on Thursday. People people around were, were talking about how this could be done quickly uh, because Bully has done due diligence on Chelsea from 2019. He tried to buy the club in the past. But um, at, at the moment, it's like, well, I suppose we're just waiting for next steps. I do think Chelsea will be sold. Whether it's as quick as people seem to think is, uh, is very much open to debate. Mm. The, he's... Uh, Abramovich isn't taking any money, correct? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, what, what he's not doing is he's not uh, asking for a recall of the loan because ultimately Chelsea owns okay. 1.5 billion. Yeah. Uh, but he, I mean, he, he's, he's selling the club, and then he's he's had this um, uh, this interesting phrase where the net proceeds of yes. the sale yeah. will go to uh, victims, and you can all of the Guardian did a story about how. Uh, that won't necessarily just mean victims from Ukraine. It could mean victims... Russian, Russians, yeah. yeah. And and tell me, Miguel, does that mean, as you see it, that if they get if they got close to three million, which they were looking for, that could leave one and a half million for him? Well, I, I don't think they can close to three billion. I yeah. really, I think that's... Yeah, I, I, I think the best you can do is close to two billion. I, mean, I, I, like, I was talking to a lot of people around this on Thursday, and he, even before we get into the situation... No, no one would have paid three billion for one of the the super clubs, if you want to call it, and that, that's basically the clubs that were involved in the Super League because there's no scope for growth. They're almost these clubs are actually almost too big now yeah. uh, for the price to be worth it. Doesn't if, if you're an investor, there's value lower down because you have scope for growth. So that was already the case. Now in a situation where Abramovich has announced his intention to sell again, weakening his own position. Um, Obviously, there's a pre- I mean, some people are talking about how the price is going down by the day because of the, ge- the general circumstances. So from that perspective, I, I, I can't see Abramovich getting over two billion. Okay. But, but, but let's see. It's interesting too that I know the Newcastle purchase generated a lot of interest, but 
there's a suggestion that fans are becoming more aware of who their team's owners are and where their sources of money come from and they're becoming more maybe socially conscious of that. Well, this is it. I mean, essentially, all this is, or the, the entire circumstance of English football from, I mean, like when you stand back, it's absolutely ridiculous and arguably immoral that football, which is, you know, if you want to get into all the cliches about it, the people's game, rising up for the people, um, it, that it's entangled in geopolitics in any way. But that is a consequence of basically the early 2000s. You could say it's a consequence of the of the general political climate or political economic climate of Britain as well, where it was almost like any money would do. There were very rarely que- any questions asked of people willing to invest or buy clubs. You know, we've all heard the debates about the uh, the, the owners and directors tests. Uh, and so we have a situation now where, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the bluntness of this sentence comes up. A Premier League owner is, be, is pretty much having to sell his club because Vladimir Putin has staged an invasion of, of Ukraine, which is remarkable. And beyond that, of course, you have, so Manchester City on Sunday are going to have big... You know, uh, they're going to be part of this Premier League, um, this Premier League ca- campaign. They're going to recognise the tragedy of what's going on in Ukraine. Yet this is despite the fact that their ultimate owners, Abu Dhabi, who are the most powerful emirate in UAE, they abstained uh, on the uh, the UN resolution last week. Not just that, but they're also w- waging their own similar war in Yemen, which so- at the moment remains a bigger humanitarian catastrophe than than um than Ukraine and their main allies of that are Saudi Arabia who are owned by uh, or sorry who own Newcastle like it's it's a, it's a ridiculous situation <laughs> it really is yeah okay well look at, and in the meantime I was reading during the week it was kind of lost by the Chelsea story Manchester United their debt has continued to grow yeah yeah and I, I, but again like, this is exactly what we're talking about right it's a different sphere but it does point to how laissez-faire English football, and, the, and you say the English authorities, because clubs are social institutions, have been about who exactly owns clubs. And of course, long before Moses, three years before, say, Abu Dhabi's takeover of City, it was a, it was a disgraceful situation that any that any sort of owners were allowed by a club with a leverage buyout in the way that happened to Manchester United. And like, it, it does feel like, as you say there in your question, Des, it does feel like we're, we're getting into a situation where we're far away from what football clubs are actually supposed to be about. Yeah. But equally, those little clubs, because I, I genuinely have more interest sometimes in League One and League Two, and you know, certainly the Championship is a great league to watch. But um, for the Rochdales and these who are in the shadows of of Manchester, it's it's hard to see how they can ever really survive. Well, well that's, I mean, I I did a piece in this three years ago about the kind of trajectory of football in this way, and some of it comes down from the games, I suppose, the natural globalization and the evolution of media, how we're also international now. But it's a problem in football, and it, we can see we can actually see it with the Super League, which hasn't gone away. They they're, they're pushing this all week around that summit, and there's going to be more to come there. But what's basically happened is because fo- because there's no regulation in football about financial distribution or any rest of it. What has happened is that about 12 to 16 clubs have been allowed to grow to a size. Or obviously, they kind of dominate all the best players and win most of the competitions. But because we're in a kind of a, a globalised world now, it means they don't just have their local fan bases that, but it makes them more popular around the world, which makes them more wealthy. And it's kind of this, almost this cycle that um, is good for the, this small group of clubs, but very bad for the rest of the game. I mean, they've basically had to change the Champions League first round because of this. Like so, they're they're bringing in a whole new Champions League structure that was announced on Thursday, where they're basically getting rid of the group stage and bringing in kind of this strange 
Swiss format. But that's a classic case of it's basically it's tackling the wrong problem because the problem with the Champions League wasn't the structure. The structure was fine. The problem was the financial gaps between clubs are too great. That meant the group stage is basically boring and predictable. Yeah. So the issue is the financial gaps, not the structure. Yeah. And finally, on that is is when you say there's no more room for growth, is the Super League perhaps the last avenue for growth for the big clubs? That, that that's exactly it, and that's why that's why I particularly say the two American owners at Manchester United and Liverpool. Uh, we're so interested in it because I remember I remember doing pieces on this in time and talking to people in sports business how just it could have immediately multiplied potential returns and investment whereas at the moment the, the broadcasting markets are kind of almost exhausted although the Premier League is still doing huge deals but you, you, we really can't see a point where they go much beyond that um, so so hence there's a, there's a little bit of stagnation about those clubs but of course still the Premier League has all this global power now I mean really the Premier League is is almost a super league of its own. Yeah. And that's why we could well have, one of the consequences of that is that we might see a European super league without the English clubs. I, I, I do think that could actually be the next step. And let's not forget, the, the English supporter unrest was absolutely crucial to, um, to toppling the super league the first time. And UEFA knew that. But if that occurred, it would be an interesting scenario if they were running parallel, a European super league and... Uh, maybe there would be hints of jealousy from some of the English clubs wanting to be part of it. Well, see, I, I think that's what they're banking on. I mean, what what the Super League really is, like, I was just talking to people from it during the week and what like what the next steps are. Now, they, they've got a case in the European Court of Justice. What that case is really about is that UEFA have a monopoly position, that UEFA are the only body allowed to decide who plays in what competition. So these clubs, Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they want to be able to basically decide themselves. We, we have the players, we have the stadium, we have the club, so we should be allowed to play in whatever competition we want. But of course, what that really means is, in effect, is it basically means they want to create a Premier League-style body, which is because which is, the Premier League isn't, isn't a top-down like UEFA. It's, it's essentially just a members club, and they want to have that in European football. So it would be... The net consequence of a Super League is it's not just a separate competition. It's a threat to UEFA's authority in Europe. And if that happens, we could well see a split in football that we've seen in many other sports. Look at boxing, look at darts. And as you say, it could well, if any European Super League grew big enough, then obviously the bigger Premier League clubs would look to get interested. So yeah, I mean, that that case, it it isn't expected to kind of be resolved for at least another year. But uh, this this isn't going to go away, and of course it's it's absolutely tied to everything we're talking about, which is how entangled football has become in geopolitics. Well, meanwhile Chelsea go to Burnley this afternoon. Turf Moor will be very far away from all of the geopolitics. It's fascinating, Miguel. Thanks a million for joining us. No problem, Des. Thank Cheers. You.